Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. As always, I'm Kevin. And I'm Daniel. And this is episode three. Daniel, how are you feeling tonight? Me? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling okay. Kind of relaxed. Got some Wendy's in me. So, you know, I'm going through the itis spells right now. Gotcha. That would be the opposite end of my problem. Okay. I'm not feeling all right because of the Wendy's that we okay. shoveled down. Oh. On a whim. It, it wasn't very whimsical. I had it in my head that I probably wanted Wendy's at some point because it's yeah. becoming a, a daily routine, a, a daily sickness, if you I've will. noticed. There's one day where yeah. you came home uh, twice with yeah. Wendy's. <laughs> Once around like 3 and then yeah. later at like 11. And I was yeah. just like, wait a second. And that's probably why I don't feel sick. I've been building up an immunity to this greasy, <laughs> horrible fast food. I mean, there was so much salt on those fries oh my God. that it was just like drinking salt water. In fry form. It's pretty terrible. I don't sure. feel great right yeah. now. I'm working through a beer. Uh, I'm halfway through this beer. Yeah. Um, I'm just in bad mood. Okay. Like, in general now. How do we get you in a good mood? We're not gonna. We're gonna power through this as okay. angrily as possible. As quickly as possible. We got other shit to do. We can't be talking at each other all night. Okay, so this is the Save Room Anger Edition. The Anger episode. Saint Anger. Yeah, fuck everything. Daniel, what have you been playing? This week... Any week ever, ever. any what, what, year. What, have you been playing in what will you be playing? <laughs> yeah, no. What have you been playing this week? What have you been doing? Have uh, you you've been too busy for games? Yeah, I had a busy week. Um, I think the last new thing that I picked up um, was Doom. That was a little bit ago. That was a little bit ago. Have you but, been working through it? But I got it on sale. There was this crazy massive price drop where it went from like sixty to like. I don't, even, I don't even know what that says about the game, because it's got great reviews. I know there's a little weirdness about it having the review embargo, where, uh, well, naturally, nobody could review it until after it came out. I remember that. Which is usually a red flag in this industry. Actually, any industry. When yeah. they fucking put an embargo or something, it means something's wrong. But I don't know why it happened. It turned out to be a good fucking game. Um, Maybe they were just holding all their cards to their reveal, because they had a lot to showcase. And... Did it come out the same month as Overwatch? Because I'm trying to think, like, it kind of, as much love as it's gotten, it's kind of got uh, buried. I think it came out either in late April or early to mid-May. I think it was May. I think yeah. it was May around there. I love Doom. No, I just, it's, it's I, great. I, it's just weird to see a AAA game go to $20. It, like, it was during this weird, like, uh, I don't know, price drop weekend. I don't remember what it was, um, but I remember just popping into GameStop and like, is this actually $20? It was disbelief. I thought it was like a right. mislabel. I would love to see what led to those decisions where mm. it's just like, fucking fire sale. Like, get, like, what is it? Was Bethesda just like, get it in people's goddamn hands yeah. right now? I I have no idea. I, um, I mean, I didn't waste a beat on it. And granted, it took me a while to put it in and play it. But since I have, it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. I like it a lot. I. Well, yeah, what have you been playing? Thanks for asking. Yeah. I. You were going to go on regardless of what. I, I had to because you weren't giving me the cue. <laughs> you were just staring at me like an asshole. No, as you're not the as I want like to I'm the asshole in this situation stop stop don't mm-hmm. don't cry don't cry okay. okay not like the first episode uh I've been playing Deus Ex oh, yeah. uh what is it Mankind Divided okay okay so there was a human revolution mm-hmm. in the last one and then Mankind got divided so that's where we are we're at the metamorphosis if you don't know what happened in the first game there is a 12 minute video for you to watch oh so they give you like enjoy a joy intro narrative. piece okay. yeah yeah which I promptly fell asleep during. I'm not even ashamed to say I did. I was like, yeah, yeah, let me catch up because I didn't beat the first one. Let me see what's going on. I tried it out and then I fell asleep. But the game itself, uh, I would say it's probably it's probably not for me. Um, Why do you say that? 
Okay, so mechanically, mechanically it's great. It looks great. Uh, I don't think it's for me because there's a heavy emphasis on two things that usually put me to bed, which are sneaking and hacking. When you say those two things, like that's a feature set in your game, I fucking stop caring immediately. I don't like sneaking that much um, unless it's done in a really provocative or should I say, not provocative, but a very meaningful kind of way. Okay. Where there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of options that you, you have in that one, but I like sneaking more on par with what Batman did, you know? More action-y, and it's like, oh, if you get caught, then fuck it, let's brawl you know, it you out. You still brawl out yeah. the situation. Um, so, it, it's a game that requires you to be, like, paying attention all of the fucking time. You can't go into autopilot at all during this game. Like, you need to be paying attention, situational awareness. You gotta be checking every email to see if there's a passcode you can't find. There's this one part I couldn't figure out where the fuck to go, and my, my entire objective was sneak into an office. And I was like, I'm looking, I don't see a fucking air duct. I don't know where... It turned out there was, like, this really dark corner that you can, like, jump up to, which I didn't even think I could reach humanly. Yeah. But he's not human. He's augmented, Daniel. Like a he's, robot? Yeah, he's got like fucking iTunes, uh, like iPhones leaking out of his ears and shit. He he can do crazy, mo- like he can have like a Titan shell around him, where if you start shooting at him, it bounces. See, all these things sound cool, but yeah. when you actually have to worry about them in the course of the game, I'm just like, I don't know. And adding the sneaking element too. That it's one of those games where the narrative like reads like Tom Clancy. Like, every every line of dialogue is just like, oh, I'm sorry, I should have taken intro to government. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not sure what you're... It sounds bad, I'll go there. But that's where I'm at with it. I might give it a little... A few more well, yeah, At least you didn't pushes. pay for it, right? I didn't pay for it, but we're not supposed to announce these facts. <laughs> Morgan just came back with it. Mm-hmm. Morgan just came back. Not, not that we're sponsored by Square Enix in any way or form, form or fashion. That could change. Square, John Square Enix, if you're listening out there, it's okay. We'll take that money. <laughs> we'll take that money and run. Like, we can we can re-edit this and everything I'll say, I love the game, game of the fucking yeah. year. Boom. And there we go. Because I know they're not using that money to make good games, so they might as well give it to us. What? What are you saying? <laughs> Where is this coming from? I'm a little Where is this vitriol coming from? It Was the Final Fantasy delay? It's been a little bit of everything. Oh boy, I got some delays for you. This is 15 years of building disappointment. I... <laughs> nice one. Yeah. All right, but if that disappoints you, I got some more for you. Okay, what do you got for me? We're going to roll right into the news. Okay, cool. So, excited. We're going to begin with disappointment. All right, hmm. are you ready for it? Fallout 4 and Skyrim won't be getting mods on PS4. Yeah. Despite Bethesda's best efforts, and despite the fact mods have been up and running for the Xbox One version of Fallout 4, for months, the developer announced on their website user mods will not be coming to the PlayStation 4 versions of Fallout 4 or the unreleased Skyrim Special Edition. In Big Beth's words, after months of discussion with Sony, we regret to say that while we have long been ready to offer mod support on the PlayStation 4, Sony has informed us they will not approve user mods the way they should work, where users can do anything they want for either Fallout 4 or Skyrim Special Edition. Uh, neither Bethesda nor Sony have shed light as to why the update has been denied. I don't know what's going on there. Um, another instance of Sony just shooting themselves in the foot. Super frustrating. There's obviously something that's that's stepping on their toes, or at least what they perceive to be their toes getting stepped on mm-hmm. when it comes to the user mods. I'm not sure what. 
I, I don't know much about the coding or how the implementation works, but obviously it's coming into conflict with something that they don't want users to touch okay. necessarily. And the fact that they're not like just being transparent about the situation just makes people angrier. And that's like the only thing that can de-escalate right now, hmm. which is, is if either... Well, the problem is Bethesda is in the corner where if they outright just say, well, Sony fucking did this and this is why... They won't put it out. Uh, well, they will, not only will they not put it out, but they are potentially burning some sort of bridge with Sony. Yeah. Not to say that, like, oh, suddenly there's never going to be a Bethesda game on PlayStation. No, it's not that, well, but not. obviously things will not go through smoothly in the future for those two companies. So I, that, that's why Bethesda can't say what they want to say, but Sony not really revealing why there's no mod availability? I don't know what that was. It just doesn't that. make any sense to me. And especially because mm-hmm. it was something that was revealed and everybody was stoked about um, this past E3. Right, and they kept on uh, uh, baiting us along, saying, like, well, you know, they're, they're still under review, this and that. But from what I understand, they consistently denied the update, no matter what Bethesda was doing. And it seemed like Bethesda was outright trying to work with them, be like, yeah. so what the fuck can we do? I know they're pushing for it super hard. Yeah, so I'm just confused. I'm confused, and Sony's the only one that can shed light in the situation, and apparently they're the key holders to uh, alleviating it. Just patch it fucking through, my dudes. Do you think we'll ever see it, though? I don't know. At this point, it's it's really up in the air. Hmm. Uh, it seems like Bethesda's fucking threw in the towel. That's what this says to me. So, we'll see where that goes from. Speaking of Sony, Daniel... PS4 System Update 4.00 releases into the wild September 13th. This news comes way by the official PlayStation blog. The post details updates to the system's UI, including an overhauled What's New section, improvements to the Quick Menu and Share Menu, and an enhanced music section that finally lets you control Spotify without having to launch the app. Uh, There's some future-proofing included in the update with the PS4 Pro specifically in mind. Not only has Fidelity been boosted when you stream games using remote play or share play, but you can now live broadcast on Twitch and YouTube in glorious 1080p. Oh, yeah. If you plan on upgrading to PlayStation's double stacker, data transfer through a wired LAN connection has been added. If you're planning on buying the Slim or remaining monogamous with your 2013 model, the update also implements HDR support for all PS4s ever. Sony does point out you'll need an HDR-compatible monitor to be properly blinded by high-definition sunsets. So, there you go. It's a big update there. Yeah. uh, I saw... They actually show some of the changes that they made in the UI on the website, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, describing it does nothing for anybody. (laughs) But I will say, yeah. It's one of those things you need to get your hands on to really see. It's pretty cool. Um, They're doing something that reminds me of the Snap feature on Xbox One where you don't necessarily have to back out of your game entirely to kind of go through menu options. That's what the quick menu does. Okay. Um, And that looked pretty cool. Apparently they were testing it in beta for certain users earlier in the summer. And, yeah, I'm excited about that feature. I can get Um, by with that because one of my biggest um, complaints about the PS3 was the lack of, like, music-based apps. And now with the PS4, you have Spotify and other music streaming ones. And I find it kind of annoying that I have to, like, oftentimes suspend the application. So now I guess it'll be easier to kind of go back and forth between the two without worrying about that. Right. That really sucked where I was doing it through my phone mm-hmm. where you could just, when you throw on Spotify on your phone, you can control the PlayStation and just like have it. And that was like the most unobtrusive way to use Spotify. Actually, I got to comment on that because you use that app very obtrusively <laughs> to where I will be going about my day doing yeah. whatever I want and you will put on uh-huh. ABBA 
Yes, I would. Or Guar. Yeah, you'll be in the, you'll be in the middle of Overwatch. Oh yeah, I blasted some Guar, some DMX. <laughs> it always comes at the right time, right at the turn of a match, and then it's just like <laughs> the block is hot is blasting through my TV. It's good I stuff. love it. Yeah. Um, but cool. So, so one one thing that kind of sticks out to me before we uh, move on and not think about Sony uh, until <laughs> the next post. Um, so with the PS4 Pro, we're we're kind of thinking like, what is really the benefit for somebody that already has the system? Um, we don't have PCs in this fucking house, essentially. Uh, Daniel's working on a MacBook. I'm working off of like a three-year-old Chromebook, and I can barely work off of that. That actually needs to be rectified before the end of the year. Before That's true. before I throw this thing out a fucking window. I could stop calling you Chromia. Did you ever? In my mind, I guess. Okay. Well, that's gonna change the course of events worse than the Wendy's in my stomach. Hmm. Um, well, anyway, I'm big on Twitch streaming, <laughs> and I think, uh, so one thing that I had a problem with was the parody issue. I mean, obviously, at 720p, it looks kind of like shit. Mm. Um, or I just found, in general, it kind of looked shitty. Kind of muddy. Especially especially when you go from when you try to make, like, a highlight from your past broadcast and then, like, upload to YouTube, it looks like garbage. Yeah. So for it to be streaming in 1080p, I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of fresh. I like that. Yeah. That, 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 that would be... Is it a reason to jump, jump ship to the PS4 Pro? Eh. But it's an interesting reason. It's a good feature. All right, Daniel. So I need you to promise me something. No promises, but yeah, well, I'll bite. Well, you're already far enough. Um, don't hit me when I read this news aloud, okay? Oh, God. Because that happened earlier. I get this weird sinking feeling in my stomach now. That's fine. Okay. We're going to go through the whole thing. But when I drop this news on you, you struck me like it was my fucking fault. Like, I work at Sony and I make these decisions... Like, I walked into Sony Japan and said, Hey, hold up, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's time to turn these smiles upside down. No. So, here it goes. The Last Guardian is delayed. <laughs> That's a sad laugh. It's like if we didn't see it coming. Okay. You know. Here's a full post found on the PlayStation blog entitled, An Update on The Last Guardian. Now, uh, if you want to do a Pee Wee's Herman, like, ah! This is the word of the day. Okay, what's uh, the word? The, the, the Last Guardian. And you'll you'll know when I'm reading this. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, the Last Guardian... Ah! Development team is fast approaching major milestones in production and has made the tough decision to delay the release of The Last Guardian ah! a few weeks. The Last Guardian ah! will launch on December 6, 2016. Whew. Fumito Ueda, Gen Design, and Japan Studio have a wonderful vision for The Last Guardian... Ah! touching emotional journey of friendship and trust and we want to deliver the most polished experience possible for our fans who have supported us for so long uh what 10 years now (laughs) a delay is a difficult decision particularly with this game but we've encountered more bugs than anticipated while in the final stages of development to ensure that the last guardian delivers on the experience that the game's creators have envisioned we need to take the extra time to work on those issues our development continues to push itself to the fullest, and we look forward to revealing new content toward launch. We appreciate your continued support. That was the official post in the PlayStation blog, by the way. Okay. I, I'm not sure you read it. Um, I did, yeah. I was very much invested in that post. Yeah. <laughs> You're very much just hanging on this fucking seat of your ass. Uh, well, there are two games that I'm really looking forward to before this calendar year is up, and it was Final Fantasy XV okay. and The Last Guardian. Okay. And both were pushed back. They were. And so for me, I've, I'm beyond the point of giving a shit about this game. <laughs> like, I stopped giving a shit 
probably around the fourth delay. I would say no. I would say when they re reintroduced it or relaunched it or reannounced it, whatever the fuck you want to say, as a PS4 game, mm-hmm. I got re excited. I was like, okay, cool. I'm there again. Cool. They no wonder it took so long. They were porting it over to the PS4. They're trying to make it work on that architecture. Cool. It yeah. might be a better, more detailed game. Awesome. I'm there. I'm there with you. And then they showed it again, like sometime after that. And we're supposed to get like excited again, and I'm just like over the same gameplay. Yeah, the things we've seen. For it was the last like few years. I just found myself like my excitement kind of stagnating for it. There was like a decline, and I just thought about okay, if it's taken this fucking long for this game, it's been in gestation for so long. Like, there's the optimistic way to think, which is oh well, they need that time to make it the best experience possible. And then there's the realistic way of looking at it, which is. It's probably a goddamn tire fire behind the scenes. You got the fucking creator of the game and the lead of the studio dipping the fuck out midway during production, then coming back, yeah, as a contractor, and just like, there's something very systemically wrong with the production of this game. I don't know what it is, and I think when it finally comes out, people will be like, oh, because there's no way it can live up to any amount of hype anymore. Not at this point. No way. Like, I feel like a lot of the design tenants for this game would have impressed us five years ago. No longer. I mean, we, since then, we've had games like Journey and all of Journey's clones that have flooded the market, yeah. you know? We're used to this kind of game that used to be so niche and novel from the studio, you know, like Eco and Shadow. I, I games that were classic on the PS2 that really set the bar for the PS3 and then onwards. Right. I, I think it's going to feel like a dinosaur plopping onto the market. We're going to be like, oh, what the fuck is this? Why did this take 12 years? What's wrong with you guys? And then people are going to hate it even more than need be, you know? Like, it, it, it's like, okay, it could have just been disappointment. Now it's going to be ratcheted up to hate. <laughs> Pitchfork's going to come out for this game. This is, th- this is what I think is going to happen. Pitchforks are happening. But if you're still excited, power to you. I don't know how you can truck through. I don't know. I, I guess it's just brand loyalty at this point, but I, I'm losing all hope and heart for it. It just lost steam for me. It did. It lost steam completely. And I and then this delay, it's just like, yeah, of course, because you guys are trying to fucking, I don't know, shovel out like pretty shit. <laughs> that that's that's a very that could be a, a, a scenario that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Of course, I want to be surprised. Of course, I want this game to succeed. I want a studio like this to continue working. You know, yeah. I want them to con- continue getting their vision out there. But because they were nothing but impressive like two console generations ago, and right. now. Mm. These are big warning signs. Yeah. You know? We'll see. I mean, it would have been okay, say, you know, there were maybe one or two delay announcements, and it was just, hey, we're patching bugs, we're making things clear. Dude, after fucking ten years, there's bugs? There's still bugs in your goddamn game after ten years? Okay. It's unacceptable, really. At that point, I don't know what is acceptable at this point. So, what what do you think this means for uh, Team Eco, though? Do you think they will be able to move on past this release? Um, or what, do you think it's contingent on how well it sells and how well it's received? <sighs> it, from what you're saying, it sounds like that studio is like cannibalizing itself and just falling apart left and right. Could be. Uh, we don't know how much upper management's putting a boot to their neck. Again, we don't know why uh, Fumito left. Hmm. He didn't necessarily say. Like he just They all give the same byline, which is... You know, pursuing other ventures, this and that, and this and that. It's like, dude, you left before your game was finished. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean for that game? How important was this game to you where you're just like, I need to dip out? But, I mean, he came back and he said he wanted to be uh, a part of the development process. He wanted to see it through. But I feel like there's almost a sense of ownership 
much to the same degree that Hideo probably should have dipped out from Konami fucking years before he did. But, you know, Metal Gear Solid Five was his baby. Mm-hmm. And you definitely wanted to see that one through. And I think he's a goddamn trooper for making sure that game came out the way that it did. Yeah. You know? Um, but again, look at MGS5. That's a game that didn't take fucking ten years to come out. No, not at all. No, not at all. This one is. And it's like, if, if you look at the track record of games that have taken this long to actually push through this development hell that they've been living in, uh, it's not good. How many can you think of? Duke Nukem Forever okay. was one that was gestating for almost 10, like a decade, wow. for sure. Um, another one that we'll talk about a little bit later today, Aliens Colonial Marines. Uh, another very problematic... That game was fucking announced as a PS2 game. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, before it dropped on 360. Jesus Christ, right? <sighs> anyway, Daniel. We do have some bittersweet news. Hmm. Blizzard's own Chris Metzen is retiring. The company's own VP of Story and Franchise Development is hanging up the mouse and keyboard after 21 years of service. During his tenure, Metzen has helped shape cornerstone franchises the likes of Warcraft, Starcraft, and Diablo. Metzen's last contribution to the, uh, to the developer's catalog was serving as creative director on Overwatch. You've heard of it. I think I'm familiar. Yeah. In a blog post that can be found on the Battle.net forums, the longtime Lord of Lore says his next great outing in life isn't in video games, but with his family. His send-off to friends and fans is this. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> I love you all. I'll see you online. I like that. That's good. That's good. I think there's nobility in that. Stepping back to, you know, spend time with your family. And I don't think this is the last we'll see of him. No, I don't think so, too. Um, Give it as a hiatus. In 21 years, dude. That, that is a, a hell of a time to plug into one company, you know? That's I, an I, impressive career, though. I don't think anybody would have faulted him just saying, like, hey, I'm moving to another company or doing something else. But no, he's, he's outright saying, like, no, dude, I'm straight up retiring. For now. I always like to put that little caveat, like, for now. You never know. You know, like, obviously this is... Gaming is a passion of his, you know, mm-hmm. and we might see his creative force uh, back on the market soon. I want to uh, know what his, uh, hmm. his, like, PlayStation handle is, or his PC handle. I'm sure it's out there. I want to come at him on Overwatch. You want to come at him on yeah. Overwatch? You want to see if you're better than him? You may, you may know the lore, but I know the land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what he'll say to me before he kills me every time. Every single time. Daniel. Kevin? I still feel rumbly in the gutty. Oh. Can you assuage me? With whatever you have on your screen over there? Ooh. Is it good? I mean, it's no Pepto-Bismol. But it's a little bit of the release is coming. Wait, 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 is it Pink Bismuth? (laughs) 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 Which is the off-brand Pepto-Bismol. Do you remember when I got that for you? Yeah, I remember that. I was dying. I had food poisoning from Wawa. There goes our sponsorship. I had food poisoning from a chicken sandwich at Wawa. And I couldn't even sit up right to play Uncharted 4 when no, it just came you out. you maybe played 20 minutes and you're like, oh. I couldn't. Yeah, what did I, I spent the day watching, um, shit, it was terrible too. And I watched a lot of it. Is that Spider-Man? Yeah, yes, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. It's not very good. Hmm. It's not. I watched a lot of it. I believe you. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man's kind of your thing. You're super into that. I'm super into that. Yeah. Everyone's super into Spider-Man. If you have a... Not everybody. Yes. I have know plenty of people who don't like Spider-Man. Your girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, we, we had this sort of disagreement. We had this. She doesn't like superheroes in general. She doesn't. 
but I, th- I think it was something about Spider-Man 2 that she just specifically didn't like. I don't remember what it was. But then I had to tell her that there were so many different incarnations of Spider-Man as well. Okay. Like Ultimate Spider-Man, The Amazing. She's like, what? There's just more things for her to hate. Because I don't think she could. Un- she understood why there was initially like the Tobey Maguire franchise and then why we came with the um, Andrew Garfield one. And I was like, oh, it's just a different universe. She's like, huh. But yeah. We're just going off, off of the movie Spider-Man? Off of the movies, yeah. There's like 65 years worth of comics. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Read me some news before the anger gets to a before fever pitch. Before you spew that fucking spicy chicken sandwich all over me. I don't understand. Spider-Man's a fucking American hero. <laughs> He's an everyman. He is. And action is his reward. He could be anybody under that. Bruce Springsteen, me, you. He could be absolutely anybody. Hmm. Under that giant sock he wears. All right. You're procrastinating. What's no, 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 I'm not procrastinating. Yeah, you are. All right, well, here. Yeah, you are. Here's some release news, my guy. Uh, we're we're going to start soft, and then we're going to roll into the game. <laughs> Coming to you first, following the PlayStation meeting last week, uh, ever disappointing one, uh, we have the newly mm. announced uh, PlayStation 4 Slim. Uh, it's coming to you this week on the 15th. Launching oh, at $300, and it's coming to you with a sleeker DualShock controller, sleeker design, and it's set to replace all those launch consoles that you still got clunking around. You can pick it up at uh, 120 gig, 160, 250, or 320. That's a pretty exciting thing to be looking forward to. What's sleeker about this controller? From I don't, I couldn't really tell from the pictures I saw of it. It looked virtually the same. I yeah, I saw and the a, button layouts uh, were the same, but they they were pitching it as oh, it's sleeker. People are talking about that it has like a front light bar, yeah, but more to the point that it actually just has a like a like a slot where it's the same light from the back or the top, I should say. Mm-hmm lighting it through which i don't understand because it's like it's already it's already fucking shiny enough I don't, cool I don't one more thing that. to drain my battery faster yeah i don't know if the light bar is a win i think the controller itself is a win i mm-hmm. think it's the best controller playstation has ever put forth i would say that wholeheartedly it, it's funny because i thought the playstation 3 controller was amazing and then i was like oh, let me check out this playstation 4 Got it. I, I go back to my PS3 controller. Yeah. It hurts. I know. Like, what is this weird, awkward piece of plastic that I'm holding? It feels so weird. And then the, the whole the shoulder buttons, mm-hmm. I don't understand. These little, these concaves that go in mm-hmm. and just don't feel good. Like, they feel like the Super Nintendo shoulder buttons. Yeah. Where after a while, you're going to fucking wear them out, and then you don't even get that yeah. little feedback anymore. Yeah. That's some shit. I don't like that. No. I like these fucking actual triggers going on in the back of the I like how contoured it feels how, how it like sits it. in my hand and I don't feel like I'm cramping every second it's a good one whoever whoever uh, designed that controller which I'm sure it was a team of people all of you deserve a great big handy hmm. I'm gonna give them our handy award the save room's handy award yeah can that be a thing <laughs> yeah it can be you get a handy award <laughs> we're gonna like give an accolade each week to somebody that we think is just phenomenal in the industry right. for one reason phenomenal or you're yeah. gonna get a handy award <laughs> which is what I or Daniel will walk into your home or place of work, and we will give you a congratulatory handy in front of your peers. And they'll know what's going on yeah. when they see one of our mugs, and they're like, oh shit, the save room boys are walking in oh, here? Shit. This who, is a big deal. Who are they giving an HJ to? Beth, grab the iPhone. we got to record this. Right. And we'll walk in, and we'll stare you right in the eye until you finish. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> you like it. Well, from one handy to another... I think people are going to like this one. <laughs> Go ahead. Sony revealed today a new gold DualShock 4 controller for the PS4. It's coming exclusively to GameStop November 21st. What? And it's just in time for Black Friday and the holidays. 
How much more is this thing? This it's it's sixty four ninety nine. Sixty four ninety nine. Yeah. Ah, so it's one of those five dollar premium specials, huh? Yeah. That's good. It looks cool. I don't know. I th- I feel like I'm more inclined to go back and splurge on the. It's gold plated. Yeah. I'm gonna look. It's got a real nice shine up. to it. It's got a nice shine to it. I think people are gonna eat that shit up. Gold DualShock Four. Is that mm-hmm. what I'm looking for? Yeah. I I'm more likely to go back and buy like the Uncharted Four controller because that one's just that one's really cool looking. Am I looking at the... Because there's one that's, like, plated gold, and then there's one that's, like, this muted fucking... Oh, no, this is the official one. It doesn't look good. What do you mean it doesn't look good? It's not gold-plated. It's, like, this muted-ass gold color. I don't like this. Hmm. You've wasted my time. Maybe our eyes process gold differently. (laughs) Is that the problem we're running into? (laughs) We we, we process gold differently. All right. Where I see a shine... See nothing. All right. Well, I'm gonna continue research on this and see if my eyes are not working. I mean, you're not gonna fucking buy it anyway. You're gonna buy another red controller. <laughs> you're all red everything. But yeah, shut that, up. That's a cool one. Uh, if you're into it, if you're getting a PS4 this holiday season and you need an extra controller, boom, another option for you. Look at you. You look so hard work it. over there. I don't like it. Okay. You don't have to like it. I don't have to like it. Shit. It's, it's faux gold. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got for me what else I got for you hmm yeah well for you people out there who are still playing Pokemon Go coming to wrist on September 6th 16th sorry um, this is what fans were hoping for back in July when the game first launched um, they're coming out with a Pokemon Go Plus device the wristwatch mm-hmm. um, basically connects to your phone via Bluetooth, smart, uh, which is used for most fitness apps. And it's going to allow you to continue to catch Pokemon and resources with your phone in your pocket. When you pass by Pokestops, the watch will vibrate, light up, and notify you of the location. Uh, It's going to also include a lot of other features that kind of just allow you to access it without having to pick up your phone. I know this is a big thing that people were looking for when it came out. And it's finally going to come. Is it still? Because, like, when you were saying it to me, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Well, you don't give a shit about Pokemon Go. Oh, come on. Be fair. You're like, Pokemon Go, Pokemon get out of here. It's true, but uh, yeah, it's a little teardrop Pokeball Mm -hmm. device thing. What's it do? What's it do for me? Does it... I can track Pokemon through it? Yeah, basically. That's it? Can I I play the whole game in that motherfucker? More or less, because I think you can still catch Pokemon, like it said. Um, You can go to Pokestops, pick up resources there. I don't know if you can uh, do the gym battles through it. Okay. Um, But I think it's just for general pickups and, you know... Catching a Pokemon. Cool. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure those things will sell out, like, immediately. And, like, renew some interest in the game for a little while. Yeah. And then, like, you know, dial. Okay, in my world that I live in, this convention world, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm going to see a thousand of the motherfuckers. Everywhere. I will. And people are going to come at us and, and say, hey, do you, have a, do you have a lure at your booth? And I'm just like, I... I don't know, but I guess so. Shit. <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll drop a lure for you. Nice. Well, let me lure you into some of the releases coming out this week. Ooh. Yeah. So that was all, like, hardware, fun stuff there. Uh, we actually got some games coming out this week. A bunch of them, actually. Fancy that. Uh, I'm going to start with the big one that mm. everybody's talking about. What's that? The Bioshock Collection, which includes Bioshocks 1, 2, and Infinite, is coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and it includes all the DLC, as well as a challenge mode. 
Um, also included is the Museum of Orphan Concepts, which allows players to see concepts that were scrapped during development, as well as director commentary oh. from Ken Levine and lead artist Sean Robertson. And it spans across all three games. And this is coming to you for the sweet price of 60 bucks. Oh, good. I think it's worth it, too. Uh, yeah. Especially if you haven't played the games. Why not? Can you buy them piecemeal? Like, I know not physically, but, like, digital. Can you download, like, each game individually? I'm not entirely sure. Um, Let's see if that's the thing. Because everything I've seen for it has been bundled. I know for um, Windows, they're doing a special deal um, where if you have two of them, I think you could download Infinite for 20 um, because they didn't actually do the collection for um, Windows users. Because oh, it was already running, I think, in 1080p for them. So, yeah. Um. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You know, Morgan is a big fucking fan. Yeah. Of Bioshock. So big, she's got the tats on her. She's wrist. got the yeah. She's got the uh, chains on her wrists. That's cool. Pretty big fan of the Bioshock and whatnot. Uh, I loved Part One. I think I that was one that I almost did 100 percent on that game. Um, part two, half and half. I thought it was a great story. It was fun. It felt like an expansion. It didn't really give yeah. you anything that one didn't. Um, it had these two cool elements to it. You know, uh, the big sister fights were fun. Okay. And then the part where you actually um, become a little sister in the final act. That was really right, cool. Right, I remember. I, see, that's what stuck out to me. That final act was yeah. really fucking cool. It, it was super strong. And then, of course, Infinite. I still adore Infinite. I do, too. It was um, one of my favorites on the PS3. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know it doesn't quite live up to the legacy of Bioshock in certain regards. Mm-hmm. I, I I like the idea of turning the series into an anthology. Okay. I thought that was a really cool idea. I think a lot of people like really resisted against that idea, which to which my argument is System Shock. And then they go, what the fuck is System Shock? Yeah, nobody knows and what I'm that is. And I'm just like, it's Bioshock in space. And they're like, cool, when's that coming out? I'm like, it already <laughs> fucking came out, my dude. And I'm like, oh. Hmm. Oh, my which I hope I hope people get re-educated because System Shock uh, remastered. Uh, it got approved for PS4 and Xbox One. Ooh. I think we talked about it a little while ago, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm pretty excited about to go back. Of course, That's System cool. Shock Two is one that uh, Irrational worked on, or at least Ken Levine. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if Irrational proper worked on it. I should look that up. Yeah, you should. Uh, but Infinite, I still like Infinite. I know it's a little bit more linear mm-hmm. than it should be, and you literally could play the whole game with only using like one plasmid. It's I'm, true. I'm sorry, vigor in that one. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was a great story. I it had great I character it. work. I like the setting. Yeah. I thought the characters at times were a lot more compelling than the characters I was given in Rapture. Absolutely, because you were given a main character that had a stake in what was going on, mm-hmm. and you were given that whole... I mean, it came out at the same time as The Last of Us, where it's like you have this, this core dynamic where it's almost like this uh, father-daughter dynamic was mm-hmm. kind of like the flavor of the year yeah. you know you're taking care of this NPC that feels so much more than that to you when, when you're actually getting through with it and I, I think that was a cool thing to convey through an NPC because before that people were just like well our highest uh, examples were the Resident Evil games with fucking Ashley yeah. and Sheva where you're just like well you are there aren't you you're more of a burden <laughs> yeah than go hide in a, a box vehicle. go 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 hide in a box so I don't know if I'll get them right away, but, you know, I'll check them out at some point. I, I'm kind of fatigued from the Bioshock series, so I'll, I'll sit on it for a bit. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, next item on the release list, uh, Dead Rising's 1, 2, and 2 off the record are coming to you. Oh! That's cool. Well, now. 
Hmm. I know this one you're pulling teeth on because you don't fucking care. No, I don't. About Dead Rising. I don't. Which is fair. Um, I, I got Dead Rising 1 when it came out for 360, and that was like a big deal because it was like, so Xbox is getting this exclusive Capcom zombie game. Yeah. It's like exactly going to be up my fucking alley. Of course. You know? Um, and it's open world, and you can kill all these zombies and create these goofy weapons, you know? It was a cool idea, but a lot of it was just marred by its own design. Mm. The, the biggest thing... And I hate it in every game. Every developer, keep this on notice. Uh, timed missions are fucking awful. I hate timed missions. I'm a completionist. I am a completionist. I like to do everything in a game, especially if it's an open world game. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like a checklist game. And, yeah. and Dead Rising was almost there with that. And then they're like, oh yeah, but you can miss out on events because uh, you're not fucking there. And I'm just like, well, I can't, I can't be everywhere at once. Oh, I guess you gotta replay this entire goddamn campaign don't you and i was like i don't like you i don't need to i don't want to so that so this collection i know comes with one part two and off the record off the record which has been confirmed as a non-canon uh spinoff dlc Uh where frank meets the main character part two which i can't even think of the name of the yeah like nobody frank was the photographer right yeah frank was the photographer and part two was the um tom jane (laughs) look-alike nailed it or Aaron Eckhart, whichever, mm. interchangeable. Um, and then off the record, they met and they made out, and it was like a ship. It was great. Okay. Uh, part two is okay. It still had a lot of the same problems as part one. Part yeah. three is the one that uh, actually got rid of the timed missions, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, you're doing it right, and you can build shit on the spot. You mm. didn't have to worry about workbenches as much." Okay. So I was like, "Wow, you actually progressed this series, and then you j- shit it out as an Xbox launch title." dooming it forever to obscurity like I, I don't know anybody that played and really enjoyed part three most people are like oh there's a part three yeah oh, i didn't fucking i don't know and like, yeah you like i don't even think you knew there's a part i own part three yeah, i know that i know there's a part three <laughs> yeah it's just then four is coming out this holiday cool good on you yeah right we'll see how this does hmm all right well next item there uh don't starve together uh this is going to be the multiplayer expansion for clay interactives don't starve it allows you to cooperate privately with friends or link up with strangers in online lobbies and includes the Reign of Giants DLC as well as the new characters, seasons, creatures, and biomes which bring varying levels of difficulty and test your survival strategies out in the wilderness. It's coming to you uh, for $14.99. Bro, I'll make sure you don't starve. Please don't. <laughs> we're we're going to hold hands and go out of that wilderness? Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to don't starve together. Ooh. That's cool. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, next one we got here, a remake of 2001's Dragon Quest VII is coming to you via the 3DS. I like Dragon Quest. I've never played it. They're cool. I've never played a single one. They're just fun JRPGs. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you can get past the animation and the graphics, it's kind of cartoony looking. I thought the dude that did DBZ does the art for Dragon Quest. Maybe that's why I I notice a very striking similarity. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Confirmed. By you? Not by me, but by the world. By the world. Everybody knows it. By the events. I'm the one guy who didn't know. Of, like, the talking points that people bring up, like, oh, it's great JRPG that's kind of like Final Fantasy, but not Final Fantasy. (laughs) Like, and also it's uh, done by this fucking uh, artist. (laughs) That's all of it. You gonna play it? Probably not. Cool. I mean, how often do I buy games for my 3DS? (laughs) I think the last (laughs) thing I bought for my 3DS was um, Hyrule Warriors Legends. And it it was fun, but it was such a poor-looking port. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a shame. I think it... it 
That's a shame because that's like the one game. Like you know, I li- I have a soft spot for Dynasty Warriors mm-hmm. games and especially their licensed spinoffs. Yeah. Like Dynasty Warriors Gundam, that's my jam. Yeah. Dynasty Warriors Gundam Reborn is my game of the year, 2013. Um, or did it come out 2014? I'm not sure. I think it was 14. Uh, it's very important that we know this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but cool. Yeah. Hyrule Warriors. I wanted to play that shit. Didn't. Still haven't. Still have it, so you can you can borrow it sometime. Oh, I hear it runs like shit on the original 3DS. Like it doesn't. Like you need the new one. Oh yeah, one. that's what you're working with. I forgot. Yeah, I'm mm. working with that that yesteryear garbage. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Hmm. Well, that's what we got here. Uh, Batman: The Telltale Series Season Pass disc is coming to you, which is interesting because they're only right. up to episode two. But I can get like a physical disc. You get a physical or... disc, and then as they come out, they'll just get updated in. Yeah. Mm. Twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. For the disc, not thirty. Uh, yeah, let's check that out. Actually, um, you know me, I, I, I like didn't the... see a price for it for some reason. Yeah, you know I like the wait until these games are like out. Oh yeah, because I fucking hate playing them with gaps in between the episodes. Like I, because I, I, I get I'm the same way. You deinvest. You know, suddenly I'm just like, where was I in the story? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay, I guess. No, 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 no. I like playing them in one shot. Especially because it comes out over the course of the year, and you're like, uh, where was yeah, I? Yeah, huh. no, it's... Um, in... Yeah, it's coming at 30 bucks, so... Huh. Yeah, reasonable. Nice. I'll, like, like you, I'll wait, though. Um, one question. Do you think Telltale would see a market depreciation, like, in their, I guess, in their recoup in revenue if they stopped releasing episodically? You know? Hmm. Like I get, I get the idea of like stringing a, like out where it's like it's easier for somebody to say, yeah, I'll I'll throw down five dollars mm-hmm. over paying twenty bucks, you know. But at the same time, I'm just like there's not a whole lot of like really bang for your buck games at twenty dollars, you know. There's a few really good examples, and then the rest are just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And it's like a Telltale game. Like we already know the the benchmark for quality is there. Why not just fucking wait and release a full game? Like I, I just I wonder like you know why isn't that something that's like in the course for them you know like maybe why? eventually I feel like at this point it's just something that they their fans come to expect and it's something that they want to keep priding themselves on right and obviously they their entire model is based on episodic uh, releases yeah. but yeah I'd like to see them try it one day and be like okay Wolf Among a season two yeah it's like all to see at that once. as well yeah so yeah. Uh, also in the Telltale vein we got Minecraft Story Mode episode eight A Journey's End it is the final episode and it wraps up season one of this unorthodox episodic series. Well, unorthodox because it's eight fucking episodes. They, they've only ever done five. And also, why would you make an episodic story based around Minecraft? Even though I hear it's super amazing for whatever reasons, I don't. Uh, I don't get it. Actually, there's a lot of like really interesting names attached to it mm-hmm. behind the scenes, like that, that do the voice work, and that's mm-hmm. what kind of made me turn my head. Like, why would these people be involved in this? Unless like maybe the script is actually there, yeah. and you know, it's not like they haven't surprised us before. Like, I would never. It fucking turned my head for, like, Wolf Among Us. And when I played that first episode, I was like, I'm here. I'm here with it. Yeah. I'm going to go through to the end. This is fucking cool. I really like Big B Wolf. Big B, yeah, he was cool. Very I'm, compelling. I really like this story. Really, like, I was really into it. Um, I can't say that they can do no wrong. They can. They can. But, huh. but hearing Batman's pretty good. Really? I heard the opposite. From really? Episode. Yeah. Why? People were just kind of unimpressed by it. Well, we'll see how it plays out. If only we can get the whole product at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, these last few ones, I'm just going to rail them off. 
Uh, Rail got, me, dude. We got Pac-Man Championship Championship Edition 2 coming to PC, Xbox, and PS4. Uh, Psychopath Mandatory Happiness. Uh, I guess this was originally released in Japan in 2015. Uh, it was an Xbox exclusive. You just uh, had to say the name and I knew it was a Japanese Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's coming to uh, PS4, Vita, and PC. Uh, it's based on the anime series Psychopath, and it basically runs oh, parallel to the game's narrative, which that's interesting to kind of have a game based off of an anime and, you know, kind of have dynamic parallel stories going on. Yeah, we've tried that stupid shit before in the West. Yeah. I think Quantum Break had some sort of TV or some TV show or some shit that they abandoned. No, they they used it. Did they do it? Yeah. There, there's like an in-game TV thing yeah. going on. What was that other one, the Sci-Fi Channel one? It was like the the Divide or the... the <sighs> Defiance. It was Defiance. Hmm. Yeah. I think the TV show ended. Okay. Fucking ended. Just like died. Hmm. What do you got for me, Daniel? Oh, continuing on? Yeah, you can do it. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> ReCore. Uh, this one, I guess, is an action-adventure game directed by Metroid Prime's Mark Bassini and produced by uh, Mega Man's Kaiji Inafune. You got it. You got oh, it better than I said. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, second to last, we have the 2D platforming shoot-em-up Arrive coming to Wii U, PC, PS4, and Xbox. And then, <laughs> so I'm going to have a little fun with. Okay. Welcome to the jam. It's time to slam this Friday with NBA 2K17. Oh. You had me really excited for a second because yeah. you, you used Jam. I did. And I'm like, there's a new NBA Jam? No. And it wasn't. Well, I just want to throw in, you know, some Space yeah. Jam because I love it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. People are excited for this. I don't know. Are, who? Basketball fans, I guess. You know what? This reminds me. Like, <laughs> I went to, uh, like, a midnight, I think, for, like, Batman or some shit, mm-hmm. and, like, NBA came out the same night, and half the people were like, <laughs> like, half of them were just like, what are you here for, you big old nerd? No, we're here for the real shit. <laughs> Fucking digitized basketball players. Midnight. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, it's just two subsections of nerds making fun of each other. It was a great night. Hmm. I stopped going to midnights. I'm working that midnight. That's all you know how it Oh, shit. Yeah. Can I come? Sure. Cool. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Bring your high tops and your jersey. Bro. Come on and slam. <laughs> it's welcome to the jam. Daniel, I got something interesting for you today. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit of news and hybrid news. It's going to be, it's going to, it's hybrid. It's going to lead into a little subject we're going to do today. So I'm going to jump into it. Uh, as you know, as you well are aware, but if you're not, Bioware is holding a voiceover contest for a role in Mass Effect Andromeda. Hmm. Beginning September 12th and ending on the 28th, fans are encouraged to record themselves performing one of two scripts provided by Bioware and send their entry into explorers at bioware.com. The first sample script will have fans auditioning for the role of Jordan Tate as he slash she interviews our protagonist, Ryder. While the second script features simply a tough mercenary having a short discourse with a peer about the roughness of frontier life. Now, the contest page on the Bioware blog reads, No accents, makeup, costumes, or props are necessary. Hmm. Just a recording of you speaking in your natural voice. If you want to be a little more dramatic, feel free. Just remember that your entry will be judged on the quality of your voice performance and how well it matches the Mass Effect style. Daniel, what I did here is I went to the Explorers Wanted contest okay. page on the Bioware site, and I found both sample scripts. <laughs> And I think this is a perfect opportunity since we're getting into the podcasting space that okay. we're getting people acclimated to our, our husky voices, um, sensual 
I like to add. Yeah, one, one huskier, one sensual. Right. Uh, don't label me. <laughs> um, so I decided, what if we audition right here? In this the, living room? On the Save Room show. Wow. I'd be down for that. You'd be down for that. Cool, cool. man. So I, I hope we're seriously considered by BioWare. Absolutely. So if anybody from BioWare uh, is listening, this is our official entry into the Explorers Wanted voiceover contest to be <laughs> in Mass Effect Andromeda. It's going to be fun. So uh, naturally, as I am inquisitive and a reporter myself okay. with uh, no journalism degree to show for it and... Um, no journalism classes under me. But I did take drama in high school, hmm. as did you, sir. I did. And I, we, was, I was very poor at it. Right. Yeah. I was good at it. I was actually a good actor. I got lead in my play. Well, we'll see if that holds up. One of the plays. But it was a play. Yeah. You don't know the name. Don't worry. Rhino? You knew it! I, I know about you, buddy. Yeah, it's like uh, a, I think it was uh, called Rhinoceros. Is that the it was Rhinoceros. Okay. That was a full title. I was going to give it to you just for knowing something about it. Act like I don't listen. So you we recognize these. Yeah. This little like short script they have here, we used to call them sides. Okay. That yeah, they would hand out, and you'd audition with these. Like literally go up and be like, I'm going to be blah, 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 or I'm going to be blah, 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 like, exactly like yeah. that. And you give it your fucking all, and you're shivering in front of an audience of your peers. But it's just you and me, my friend. Hmm. Who do you want to be? We got uh, the tough mercenary and we got Jordan Tate. What's the role you're going for? Ow, I hurt myself. I popped my limb. You know, I'll, I'll be Ryder. I'll put myself in the role of our new guy. Okay, so I'm going to be Jordan Tate in this one? Yes. You want to be the tough mercenary in the next script? In the next script, yes. Okay, so I... they're two different character sets. All right, all right. So we're going to set the scene here. This is scene one. Jordan Tate is a smart and talented indie documentarian eager to give the real perspective on life in Andromeda. You are playing the role of Jordan Tate. That's me. I'm playing Jordan Tate. Kevin Pape is Jordan Tate. Jordan, yeah. I like, it's got all these directions, too, for it, like the way you should inflect it. does it on the side. Like, the first line, I need to be friendly and enthused. Uh, there's annoyed by Drake. Fake. If, you, if, if people are reading uh, along at home, go ahead and see if I'm really hitting it. Yeah, hitting, hitting these. these but, of course, you know, I'm going to play a little bit of jazz here. You know, I'm going to really explore the space. Please do. Okay. <laughs> explore space. <laughs> ah, laugh, laugh at me. Laugh at I'm going to edit this one. Okay, out. anyway. Uh, so I'll start it off, okay. and Can you'll play the story? role of Ryder, okay? So I'm interviewing you. Here we go. Ryder, isn't it? Jordan Tate, freelance vidmaker. Superintendent Drake's asked for an uplifting documentary about our efforts. Translation, paint Roomba... Paint, already fucked up. Shit. <laughs> We're going to back that up. We're going to do it again. Let's keep going. Keep going. Okay. The show must go on. Translation? Paint rainbows over our problems. But the people deserve the truth, not propaganda. Hmm. Perhaps a crisis is a time for hope, rather than hard truths. If we pretend everything's fine, who does that truly serve? I want the dirt and blood, not the convenient fairy tale Drake's looking for. Okay, Tate, what do you want to know? Well, how do you think things are going? Official reports don't tell us very much. Quite honestly, I think people should go out and see Andromeda for themselves. No trouble at all? Are those scars in your armor just from popping the champagne? Never mind. If that's your take, that's what goes in. Bandwidth means I'm transmitting in short bursts, so that's all for now. Scene. And scene. Nice. 
That was good. I yeah. feel like I landed that one. I think so. There was a little I roughness could... at the beginning yeah. there, but that was mostly uh, your fault. Um, <laughs> it's it's re- you're really only as good as the, the person you're acting with. I think Ooh. that was what was going on. There. And like I said, I was poor in yeah. drama. Back right, then. I felt that you yeah. you were you were sucking some energy from me, I but, I, but I feel like you, you landed it. So um, <laughs> so I'm gonna let you set the scene for scene two. Okay. All right. All right. And remember, it's two pages. Yeah, that okay. was my problem the first time. Yeah, we had an issue with this. Yeah. Good. Um, all right, so scene two here, we got two mercenaries talking about some of the difficulties of living on the frontier and being pioneers in a new world. You are playing the role of the tough mercenary. That's going to be me. I'm That's tough, you. I'm the tough mercenary. You're the tough mercenary. That's the farthest thing from what I am in person. And right. you, but you have the beard, so And apparently. you, Kevin, are going to be the worried, anxious mercenary. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. I feel, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to, hang on. I got to get into this. I got to get into this headspace. Yeah. I'm on the frontier. Things are tough. Okay. I'm worried. <laughs> My, my first bit of direction with my first line, doing Do business. <laughs> so, so I hope you feel like I'm doing business with you. Right Which here. should be like directions for the rest of life. Yeah. Always be doing, doing business. business. Okay. And, and always be closing. All right. So. Go. I got a deal on the gear we salvaged from the crash. Here's your share. You said we'd split the take evenly. It's even. Do the math. I've got a family. You don't. This isn't fair. We agreed. To split the profits 50-50. How you feed your family is your problem. I just keep thinking, what if I hadn't left the capital? Maybe I wouldn't have to worry about where my kids' next meals are coming from. We're doing better than some. But I worry that one day I'll cross Sanders and find my kids murdered. <sighs> Sanders doesn't kill kids, and you don't know that would have happened to the capital. There were laws back there. Out here, it's thugs running the place. A thug wearing the uniform is still a thug. Sanders was head of security back in the Capitol, and look at what she's become. Trust me, things like rule of the law, like decency, out the window when things go bad. So you wouldn't go back if you got the chance? Hell no. It's not the best here, but I gotta decide my life. It's what we wanted, right? A new start? Insane. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think we did pretty fucking good there, I think so. actually. I think we're chewing there. I feel really, yeah, we were really chewing up the lines. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, whatever fucking jabroni that you do choose... Keep in mind, uh, Bioware, what you could have had. Yeah. And he probably riffed from us anyway. Right. Right. They probably listen to this and they're like, you know what? I'm going to go for this fucking 1940s reporter that he wants to yeah. ride it, you see? <laughs> L.A. Noir meets Andromeda. I liked it. Yeah, that was, it was fun. Good. Yeah. I think it fits Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. So. <laughs> I think that was a fun, like, break in format. <laughs> what format? It's episode three. We're still fucking finding ourselves. You're right. Uh, I don't know if you knew, Daniel. Today, of all days, is National Video Games Day. Hmm. I did know that. Because I told you earlier. It's fine. <laughs> you did. I was trying to set up a little thing here. Yeah, and I just... Like where you didn't know it, boom, but you just... Yeah, yeah, you just fucking... I like being it. the informed co-host. You already think you're going to be fucking flying to Bioware and being <laughs> yeah. a goddamn... I got um, dollar signs in my eyes. You're gonna right be now. the next Troy Baker, the next uh, Nolan Northy, Nolan Baker. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just get the fucking roles. Right. Why are they even like throwing this shit out to people? Yeah. Anyway, um, so it's National Video Game Day. I don't know who decides these things. <laughs> like I was just thinking, it's like about a that. committee that decides what day yeah. goes to which national. Like holiday. suddenly it was a hashtag on Twitter, and I'm like, oh fuck, are we making up things again? <laughs> like, do you remember last year National Video Game Videos Game Day? No, yeah. Video Games Day. No? I don't either. Because no one said a fucking thing to me about it. Okay? So I don't know who, who decides these things. It's happened. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do. 
hmm. about it being National Video Games Some Day. people are like, hey, celebrate the history of video games. Play a game. Do your thing. Right. Some people are like, play a new game. I mean, I feel like it's just an opportunity for every video game company to hit their social channels yeah. and say, like, celebrate National Videos Games Day. <laughs> Videos Games <laughs> Roll with it. Yeah. And play our god di- play Noby Noby Boy Prime. Fuck. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that long awaited sequel. You really are. Though. That that's a game that I'll I'll forgive ten years of development. <laughs> Japan, you can have ten years in that one, it's fine. So we wanted to discuss a few things. We we had some bullet points for you here. Yeah. So oh, let's let's lay the line right here. Lately. Our topic is gonna be regarding national Boom. video game, and we're gonna have right. subtopics within In lieu it to of it. kind of encompass what video games are to us and things we've kind of come across along the way. Right. Because there's this coveted episode zero of this show mm-hmm. where uh, we were just, you know, practicing, I guess you can say. Practicing being uh, radio radio show host. It, it was good practice. I feel like I'm nowhere further from where I was two weeks ago when we did that. But, you know. You've digressed. I've actually gotten worse yeah. with each word. Absolutely. I'm a nervous speaker. Right. But at least we don't slam our, our cups down anymore. Because, like, when you, like, actually play it back, it sounds like the Tunguska explosion. <laughs> like, I can ever so lightly put it down. And suddenly an entire forest is leveled. <laughs> but we, we've gotten past some of these kinks. But we did discuss kind of, we were doing a little, uh, trying to feel each other out where our video game histories are. So uh, we thought it would be a perfect time to actually get into that. So one of the topics... Uh, would be, what is the first game you've ever played? You looking at me for this one? I All said right. it. Cool. I took it. I'll lay it down faster than the speed of Sonic. Boom. So what game was it? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog 1. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, you were really, real subtle. Yeah, it was, too, it was really under. Yeah, I wasn't really picking up. I, I remember being like three or four when this came out and uh, my grandmother actually had a Sega in the house and she was playing this my fucking like 48 year old grandmother and I would just like kind of slide up on my belly next to her and watch her play and you know watch her get through levels and everything <laughs> Daniel couldn't walk no I, got, I, just, <laughs> I, I crawled well into my teens right um, but yeah I know I watched her pretty feverishly I was like oh what's that and if, I don't remember if I said what's that I was three but I, I couldn't what wait what you playing yeah I couldn't wait to get my hands on I was like yeah. when's my turn and she like handed the control over to me and that really kind of just started it all right there from Emerald Hill Zone on that was a great time that was Green Hill Zone oh yeah you're right Yeah, Green Hill Zone yeah. I didn't like Sonic that and you know that one no. Emerald Hill Zone is in one of the later games I guess Sure. Yeah. I'll give it to you. I okay, so we'll say Green Hill Zone on. I didn't play enough of them. No, you didn't. So... But that that was cool for me, and I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say it was largely formative, but it definitely got me gaming, and it definitely... But it, yeah, it was like your your gateway into it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun uh, one. It got me into platformers. It got me into just trying to complete games to the fullest extent. I tried to get, like, all the golden... Uh, uh, no, they weren't golden. They were emeralds. The Chaos Emeralds. Like, you had to basically, like get a hundred coins and then you would get warped into like this subspace where you would do like mini games and i think in this one you were like pinging back and forth between bumpers and like basically trying to wear down like these little colored spheres to get where these emeralds were and after you collected all seven boom you become supersonic my god yeah it was fucking amazing what a bold experience granted i did not do that when i was three but as the years went on i learned how to do it but you heard the rumors i heard the rumors 
<laughs> I take her. <laughs> I, I had a largely similar experience. I guess uh, the other side of the coin was like uh, Mario would probably be one of the first games I played. Yeah. And I, I can't even really pinpoint which Mario. I do know that in the house, um, my older brother and sister, they originally had a Nintendo, just NES. Mm-hmm. And we had a few games for that. Um, the Nintendo went away somewhere. I don't know where. It went away for a little while. So around, I would say, five, tail end of four, uh, the Super Nintendo got into the household. That was my older brother's, Paul's, uh, system. And it's funny, my my brother was really into video games when I was younger. When he was younger as well. Um, What's the age difference there? The age difference, I would say, is about like six years, six, seven years. Um, And yeah, he was, I I, I wasn't even grade school, and he was already, you know, plowing through elementary. Um, he had Mario games and stuff, and then of course, you know, because he was getting into that adolescent stage, he had Mortal Kombat sitting around. And so, age five, I was like picking up Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat 2, I have a lot of specific memories with. And I think that's the one I latched onto the most. Uh, it had the most ninjas. It did. Yeah, and ninjas, like, that was the shit. It doesn't matter that they were palette swapped. One throws ice, one spits fucking acid at you, one has a goddamn spear. And when he takes off his fucking mask, he's a skull face with fire coming out of his fucking... Like, I was astounded. Same. I loved it. and But I was definitely a single-player kid. Because, like, my brother wouldn't necessarily play games with me. He would play games in spite of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, because my mom would always be the one to be like, Ah, make sure you include Kevin. And then, like, you know, of course, he's like, Fuck that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Kevin, you can only watch. You can't play. Yeah, exactly. He would be that, like, uh, that kind of brother, you know? But, so I would play when he was gone. And he liked fishing and he liked going outdoors. All of the great habits and tendencies I didn't have. So <laughs> And still don't have to this yeah, day. Yeah, still don't have to this day. So I would stay in playing his fucking Mortal Kombat by myself. Like, I wouldn't even fight the computer. Like, I would set up Controller 2, because the computer would beat me. I'm five. Yeah. And I would just, like, play by myself just wailing on the fucking, just, like, a standing. <laughs> Using, standing like, the play. quick, like, option combos, because I think yeah. that's how you could look at all of the players' combos, right? I don't even remember, dude. No, that was the thing. I think where you could basically pull up like um, an option, or maybe you had to look it up at the time. And you, you had could, to look it up. There, was, there, were, the... there wasn't anything coded into like the UI of like you didn't know how to do fatalities. Like you would have to. Well, fatalities. I think those were kind of like a hidden thing, but basic like yeah. combo sets. I think you could look those up. There was no in combos game. in the original games, though. There was literally high punch, high punch, high punch, high punch, high punch. Like you would literally like spam. Well, okay. <laughs> Like that, like there was no like. I guess, you know, I guess what I mean is like combos. okay, like a, a combination of buttons that you could press. To maybe do like you know, a, I don't know, a medium tier move or like a more difficult move. No. Not necessarily like stringing combos. Yeah, you couldn't string combos. No, no, players. that's not what I was getting. That's no, not. No, no, no. I, yeah. Uh, no, it wouldn't even tell you how to do special moves. Hmm. There was nothing. There was nothing in the UI to let you know how to fucking do the game. Yeah, that's no. Not, okay. There's not. I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe you had a debug mode going on. I remember you can plug in debug mode on like uh. part two. Or something like that, but we all had like strategy guides like laying around. He used to have like the Mortal Kombat two book, nice. and he had all the fatalities like lined up there. And you know, I would try to do fatalities in my spare time and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like my. It's not even like formative, but like I've always latched on to Mortal Kombat like that. So know? imagine you being home one day. Paul comes home from fishing. He's beat. He just wants to play Mortal Kombat, and you're yeah. on it. He's pissed. He's like, Kevin, get off the console. And he's like, I'll play you for it. And you just challenge him in the moment. You no, that him. never fucking happened. That never happened? <laughs> never happened, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, there would be no, like, I'm going to play with you. It was always just like, no. Like, eventually, like, the concession made was like, 
we'll get you your own game. Stop playing mine. And Fair. so he would like I would get the things he had no interest in. It would be like, oh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, a fucking video game. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, all right, <laughs> like go for it, go buck wild, you know. Like he he was territorial. I was territorial. I too. could see that. Yeah, we were all territorial. I don't know why. Hmm. Like for some reason, we weren't like the sharing siblings. We were all because like there was such an age gap between us. It was definitely like there was defined boundaries. Like me and Paul shared a room, but it was definitely like you could draw a fucking chalk line in the room and abide by that. My sister had her own room entirely, you know? So, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of sharing. I can't even be like, yeah, video games brought us together. Hooray. It was like, no, video games were the, uh, the resource that we mined and could not share, could not be shared. <laughs> it was weird. But I guess you could thank him for this long trajectory of gaming that he right. called. That's the well, funniest so thing. Think... Just because of the availability of it being there, and just because like he had a he had a cool collection of games, and and the best part was when he would borrow games Ooh, from his from, friends. from his friends and fucking like bring over such so so like you know a lot of the early Mario's. Uh, I have I think I have bit more memories of Super Mario World than I do of like the original three. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mario, of course, like I, mean, I think every kid starts with platformers. Yeah, you know? I think they're just the most available. Yeah, I, I mean when you go with Sega or. Um, Nintendo. I yeah. don't know if they initially came with the consoles. I don't remember how consoles originally they came They used out. to back in the day. They yeah. used to actually always have one game with them. Nintendo was big on that. So, I mean, uh, imagine you get your first console and that's what you're being introduced to first. Mario or Sonic and these right. two mascots that, you know, have been around for like 20 some odd years now. Yeah. And now it's unheard of to get a console with a game. You're like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you have to wait a year for Black Friday to get fucking Call of Duty Black Ops 8.5 to come with this system. <laughs> Are you are you are you a clown trying to get free games? <laughs> you gotta pay your weight in gold for that. Yeah, man. People sweated tears <laughs> to fucking make this game. You wanna take you wanna take money out of their pocket. Ed Boon needs to feed his family. By bundling a free fucking it's like it's a launch game, dude. It's gonna be ten bucks like in a year anyway. <laughs> well, f- fucking suck it up and wait. Wait the year. But that was my first uh That's a good first though. Yeah. I, our first were very different. They were as very they different. should be. Yeah. A very I, violent first. <laughs> my, our mom didn't give a shit. Yeah. Like, her whole thing she was on patrol for, for was, like, sexual content. Like, and games didn't really... That was, like, no. un, unheard of like territory. The, especially for Nintendo console. Yeah. You know, like, the first Mortal Kombat didn't even have blood in the Nintendo version. Yeah. Okay? Like, you you. That wasn't until 3, right? Um, I believe so. I remember 2, you could use a code to get blood in it. Or something. Hmm. I'm actually getting it. I'm getting my fucking wires crossed on that. I know there's some people like, oh, how could you not remember? I'm like, oh, that was fine. Yeah. That was fine. So do, do give us you know, a bit of yeah. breathing room if yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. remember these games that we played like 20-something years ago. Right, exactly. Like <laughs> These are the ones where I'm like, I don't really... Like, none of it was mine. Like, ownership didn't happen until Nintendo 64. That was mine. That was when I know, like, oh, yeah, man, you needed a fucking... Uh, the expansion pack for this list of games. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. that's where the, the cataloging started in my head. So... Was there any other first games that were kind of... Like, it was just Sonic for you? That was the first one I really remember. I think, you know, we also had an NES in the house, so I might have played around with, like, Duck Hunt. Okay. And then just weird, like, track racing games. So it's funny. You started, like, more of a Sega kid. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. It's weird that I still trust you as a person. Sega's a brand that you were able to trust until you couldn't. I mean, Sega did when Nintendo don't. I wanted you to pop that in at least once a podcast. 
<laughs> it's been happening. Yeah, you, you fucking, it's your greatest byline. It's my favorite tagline of all time. Okay, well, I guess, okay, we'll go from that point on to our yeah. next one. First game's great. Yeah, I'd yeah. be interested to hear all of your guys' first game choices. Um, we're going to go on from that, though, into most influential game. Kevin, what do you got for me? Like a personally most influential what, like, like to me. You know, maybe the most influential game to you that maybe... Because uh, of all time, it's Nobi Nobi Boy. <laughs> You're looking at me for I that. am. Yeah. Are we, are we getting paid by the, the word? <laughs> so every time we say it, like... <laughs> it's my favorite game title. I don't think any other game comes close to like a more memorable title. And it's not even representative of how ridiculous that game is. <laughs> I I still don't know what that game is about. It's a shitstorm. It's like eight years. It is a shitstorm of a game. Um, No, so most unfortunately, you know, maybe a game that taught you what you know now in terms of gaming or kind of was more formative than anything else, you know? Maybe a game that made you change your perspective on the way you look at video games. Yeah, what's funny is like a lot of people would stick to their first contact or first encounter with games and be like, no, Mario, shake me into a gamer and shit like that. It was like, no, none of the first games really like, like informed me as a gamer going forward i think they got you in and they made you want more yeah again these are gateway drugs these are the ones where it's like what the fuck is this this is fun this isn't reading a book this isn't paying attention to uh dinner time (laughs) like this is something else um so i would say and i go back to it's a weird one um i'm gonna split it into two basically so i'm gonna go to final fantasy first because you already know the other answer is very obvious and Final Fantasy, there's kind of a grouping here. Nine being the first one that I played, like, of any of them. And nine was such, like, uh, an eye-opener to me for right. what video games could be. Whereas, hmm. up until then, like, especially having the N64, because this was, like, right when I got my PS1, I was like, let me get the shit that I've been missing out <laughs> on. You know, like, fucking Final Fantasy I've been missing out on. I know that for sure. Yeah. And... there was an actual story. (laughs) What? A great story. You know? And it it isn't just like these bullshitty, like, well, the princess is in this other fucking castle and you're in this one castle. Well, that... That's kind of it, Mario. You, you got to get on going. Like that's that's not like that's not a story. No, that's just like okay, it's an excuse. <laughs> is what it is. And Final Fantasy had a fucking sweeping narrative. It, it, it had it had plot twists. It had an ensemble cast. There's people you meet that had different perspectives about the event that's going on around you, and which was, is really interesting. It was just like such a fucking mind boggler and you have these characters too that you meet along the way that you think they're just like kind of i don't know unimportant npcs and later they join your party and they become some of your favorite characters to interact with right you meet these people and it's like i you're part of this adventure that i'm going on like i'm going on a fucking adventure you know and you know i was big on books when i was a kid and a lot of the worlds you know i'd get lost in there Mm -hmm. and be like this is fucking cool this is like I'm, i'm into this and there's some movies that I was really like, I really want to be transported to that world. And some of the movies I cho- would cho- like chose are just weird for me to want to be there. Like Jurassic Park. I was like, I want to be with Alan Grant. I want to be fucking Tim, like little Timmy, nice. sitting by and like quoting... Uh, Being this uh, mini paleontologist. Yeah, Jack Horner quotes to him. Like, <laughs> did you know this paleontologist? And, and have him be like, I don't like kids. And I'm like, ha like, ha! I love you! you. <laughs> Let me wear your hat! You know? <laughs> no, I get that. <laughs> so but like video games up until then there wasn't like a world for me to be in like that you know uh and final fantasy kind of woke me up to that and and part eight is my favorite one because it was a story that i really just hit me in the goddamn feels Mm -hmm. uh when i was going through it because i really related to the main character 
the main character was this very lone solitary character very downtrodden sort of dude and i i felt like that a lot of times you know when i was younger i was like i'm not like the other kids i'm not as uh i don't have that big want in me to like go outside and and fucking be outside and talk to other people like i didn't have that that wasn't like a natural inclination for me and there's this one character that's just kind of like leave me the fuck alone with my thoughts and I, like, really was, like, even more than nine, I was like, holy shit, this is a story tailored for me. Because, <laughs> like, from nine, like, Zidane, he was cool. He's kind of, like, this wily badass. But, you know, Squall was, like, super nuanced in his character. He really was. And it was interesting to, to have him meet this, uh, uh, the protagonist, or, I'm sorry, the uh, the female lead. In a, it's, I think it's Renoa. Renoa, yeah. Again, I renamed every fucking character in that game. She was Jenny. Jenna, yeah. She was Jenny. <laughs> And to have him meet Jenny and have him, like, really just assess and be like, so is my worldview wrong? Or maybe it's not necessarily wrong. Maybe I'm just seeing things in her perspective, seeing what's going on. And it was so interesting to me. You know, I, I think there was certain factors and certain parts of that narrative that are working on me in ways that I didn't know when I was a kid. Hmm. You know, I didn't understand that, like, no, like, this is this is big for me. This is important. And... My love of storytelling, like, a lot of that stems from those early Final Fantasy games, which, for the greater sense, I don't give a shit about most Final Fantasy games, you know, but it was that, that PS1 trifecta of games that mm-hmm. was just like, these are important, <laughs> you know? These are my gateway to this kind of storytelling and gaming. Of course. And then, on the other flip side, and this one is, um, kind of goes back to that whole, like, why would I want to be in this world <laughs> kind of feel, like Jurassic Park, like, dude, shit goes wrong. But I'm just like, yeah, but it works out if you, you know, are smart. If you shoot your way through enough <laughs> or, enemies. Or you know what's going on. So uh, Resident Evil 2, mm-hmm. specifically 2, is a very big influential game on me. It, That's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. Because um, survival horror for like a kid, for him to like latch onto it. But I did. I did. And, and, and it's not because like it was easy to me or yeah, any other reason like that. It literally was that it kicked my ass when I first played that game. I, I rented it from Blockbuster. This was the N64 version, by the way. Yes. I was 10 years old. I remember this because it came out in 2000. Hmm. I was 10 years old, had it for the N64. Um, I had my PS1 around then, and I started to play some of the Dino Crisis, Resident Evil titles, but then I, I knew 2 was, like, the big one. You know, I don't know why. Like, I remember reading some EGM or GamePro, and remember that 2 or Nintendo was Power shit. Even. Yeah. Or Nintendo Power, even. Nintendo Power is the one that, that brought up Part 2. And so I got it for the N64, rented it from Blockbuster, because that's how I got other games, you know? Because, like, you stick with the one that you buy. Yes. Like, yeah, I was stuck with part, like, Final Fantasy VIII for fucking, like, half a year. Oh, shit. That's all I had to play. Best six months ever, though, right? And then whatever fucking uh, demo discs (laughs) that I can find, yeah. I forgot those Laying around, exactly. (laughs) Uh, that any of my friends would be like, dude, I don't, I don't fucking need to play Gran Turismo 2, like, one track, (laughs) like, over and over again. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, thank you. So... I play this game, and uh, there's this intro part. I know you didn't play the game. I think you may have some recollections here and there from what you've seen, but... And just what I've heard from you in yeah. passing. But I know I've never put my hands on it. There's an opening part where you're thrown into the city. You're separated from your partner. Either it's Leon and Claire, depending on who you choose. And there's literally like six or seven zombies already in the immediate area. And all you have is a handgun with 15 bullets and then a survival knife. And that's all you fucking have in this opening part. Hmm. And so not having played a game like this, I'm like, well, let me take care of this. And suddenly I'm trying to blast at one of these zombies and it takes like five, six shots to take him down. Hmm. 
maybe a little more than that sometimes. So I'm like, I am empty by the time I get to like my fourth zombie. Fucked up, I don't know what the fuck to do. Let me try the knife out. And like the knife's not doing shit. They're like, ooh, like, like they didn't even know what happened. They're like, ooh, like doing the recoil and then still grabbing me and fucking slaughtering me. And I just died repeatedly on this opening part. And I didn't understand. I was like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, it upset me and it was scary. I was just like, yeah, everything's creepy as shit. And I didn't know what to do. And I remember taking it back to Blockbuster and we had a talk. There was a lady uh, working. I forget her name. Uh, of course I forget her name. <laughs> right. But 16 she, years ago. She was uh, working the desk and she knew the game. She'd played the game. My dad was like, yeah, he's been doing the same goddamn part. Every time I walk into the room, he's doing the same part and just not getting anywhere. Is he doing something wrong? And, and she was just like, just run. And like it unlocked a new way of thinking for me. It was like, wait, such I can a do that. I was like, wait, just run. You're like, yeah, you you don't need to fight them. I'm like, I don't need to fight them. No, you don't need to fight them. You need to survive. Which is crazy because games at that point taught us to just fight everything in a room. Exactly. Like you go make from sure playing nothing left. Yeah, you go from playing Mario games where you jump on everything to death. Like you you get through every enemy essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, and and whatever other games you know like Rocket. Robot on Wheels and shit like that that was coming out. How are you time. throwing that at me right now? I'm going to throw at you oh, real hard. I love that game. I love that game too. It's, uh, we have it. I mean, but yeah, we really <laughs> we do. fucking Red hell. cartridge and all. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. And, you know, it, it was such a different game because you had to... It, it basically... I had to rethink the way that I thought about video games very early on. Hmm. And so... And I have some of this written out. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, it was the first game for me that you, you had to deal with real problem solving. Okay. Okay. Like it, like to the degree, not just like how do I get behind this door? It was like no, you have some real fucking puzzles to deal with mm-hmm. here, and there's different uh, components of the game that you need to like think about what's happening. It, it dealt with resource con- conservation. That's a big fucking thing to drop on a kid. Yeah. Resource conservation. So you go from having every one of your needs met. Because that is the purpose of adults and, to a bigger degree, society as a whole. Mm. To make sure that your children are fed, taken care of, at least happy. (laughs) You know, alive in some way. Happy means alive, in most cases. They're alive! Great! Smile on their goddamn face. (laughs) And this game strips these ideas away from you. You are not taken care of. You have very little to work on. And you need to still get through. And the thing is, it's it's it may seem insurmountable, and it may seem scary, is a big part. Where there are numerous times where I was just hiding in a save room, really? you know, just cowering and just like, well, what do I do? Like when I go out, I have fucking like twenty bullets to my name. I have to go out there. I'm not sure what this goddamn unicorn medallion does, <laughs> but there's obviously something I'm not seeing. And and I remember one of the the key thoughts that kind of struck me was that my fears are out there and no matter whether or not I stay in this room they're going to be there until I take care of them hmm. and that was such a what a profound thing to teach yourself at, like, really was at such a young age I was like I can fight through my fears because the thing is it taught me that life is scary the odds can seem insurmountable but if you're brave but more importantly if you're smart you can get through <laughs> That's what I took away from Resident Evil. Shit. Resident Evil 2, especially. I feel like a lot of people didn't take shit away from that game. No, not like that. <laughs> you took the world away from it. Right. Oh. And just because it was one of the, you know, an, a very formative early game that I played. Yeah. 
and so different than other games that I, I played up until then. You know, a survival horror game like that. Mm. And and of course, I fell in love with all of the design aesthetic in Part Two. I love Raccoon City Police Department. I fucking think it's a just brilliant place to be, <laughs> even though it doesn't make sense in the real world in a way. But at the same time, somebody said something. I I, I think it was one of the developers I was working on the remake. Or is working on the remake that's coming out is that Resident Evil follows two, especially follows nightmare logic, where everything is it just hits you at first. This is a situation you're stuck in. This is life now. That's how nightmares work. Yeah. But then it progressively gets fucking more insane. And part two does. It has this uh, downward spiral effect where you get through the RPD, the Raccoon City Police Department, and you find out um, this whole place is just. A stage for Umbrella. You go into the laboratories, which is like another level of hell, you know, and you go to the sewers, go to the laboratories, you, go, you keep on going down into hell, and that's mm-hmm. the only way out. The only way out is through. And that was such a big thing, and I think that was most one of the most triumphant moments in my small gaming life <laughs> for me to beat that game, to mm-hmm. get through, because it took me forever. Really? It took me a while. How, how long game. would you say it took you? Well, if you count all, like, the re-attempts, like at that little beginning portion because I, I literally spent like maybe three hours trying to figure out that fucking beginning portion of the game and just like wondering like what the hell am I doing wrong you know um, and then fi- figuring out the intricacies of the actual uh, police department and then going through B scenario mm-hmm. which B scenario was a breeze in comparison to A scenario especially when you figure out how the game works yeah and you work through your nightmare it was logic, such a it was you know? such a learning curve for me and that was one of the first games that I had to really assess like how do I fucking play this because hmm. I'm I'm not doing it right obviously yeah. But it was such a rewarding experience. But I would say, like, the first playthrough, when I'm actually doing okay, it took me a good, like, 12 to 15 hours to get through that game. As a kid. Just searching every fucking crevice. Because there was, like, one part of the game where, like, my my screen couldn't, like, show darks, mm-hmm. like, correctly. Like, you know, if you're playing in day, you couldn't fucking see some dark tones in the game. It's not like a shitty old and like tube TV. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and so there's this entire like basement level that I never knew was there until I decided to press like A over it. <laughs> shit. And so I was stuck for a good long while doing that shit. But yeah, that's it's still one of my favorite experiences to oh. this day. To this that's day. cool that you took away like so much from it too. Yeah. I try to tell people that and they don't understand. Like when I say Resident Evil 2, they're like, okay, cool. You're like a weird horror fan. I'm like, that's not what really clung to me about that game. Yeah. That's I, not. I guess like uh, I mean I played the first Resident Evil a few years back and I had some of those similar instances where like I would go to the save rooms I would cower and just be like I'm afraid to go out there and see what's next but you're right like the only way to the end is through and you need to brave all odds and all horrors really to just come out at the other end and it's like it's, it's so weird to think that I was able to take like life lessons from this fucking game you know like no to think of life that way you're given very little it is scary but you can get through you can do it with what you've got. Hmm. Less, even. Some people have to deal with less than what you have, you know? Some people, some people start a nightmare mode. <laughs> <laughs> and they get four bullets yeah. and no knife. You know I could wax poetical in Resident Evil all fucking day. And you I really try could. not to. And you have and you will continue to. Yeah, I will continue to. It's so weird, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm sure there's bigger fans of the series as a whole than me, of, like, for different reasons. Like, they can tell you, like, the minutiae of fucking Resident Evil Gun Survivor 2, a game that only came out in Europe and Japan. They can tell you that shit and know everything about that shit, but I don't think there's a bigger fan of, like, I guess the more abstractness of this series than, than me, you know? Like, uh, uh, of the overall overarching feeling of this series. 
but stop me here. I'm stopping you here. <laughs> so our runtime doesn't get too long. Yeah, 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 I feel you. Do your thing, man. My thing? What's your fucking game that's the most influential? The most influential game for me? Yeah. Um, this wasn't even like the first one that I played in the series either. Um, I had played Legend of Zelda, I think it was on the, on the NES, and then I played A Link to the Past at a, at a given point um, sometime after that. And they were cool. Uh, they didn't really resonate with me so hard, but mm-hmm. I, I liked what I was getting from them. I was like, oh, these, cools are, these games are cool. They're different from the platformers that I'm playing. And I got pretty far into both with, you know, not even ha- having really owned either console. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I got my N64 for Hanukkah eighth day as we spoke of and <laughs> i got the legend of zelda ocarina time that i was really able to get a substantial beefy experience from a legend of zelda game that i was able to take something away from and this game has been incredibly formative to me as a gamer and influential and in really everything uh point blank it taught me how to game really uh it taught me lateral thinking and how to solve every puzzle that i've ever come across in a game since that point Wow. Yeah, ev- like every situation I'm in in a game, like puzzle puzzles and games don't really like get me down. They don't slow me down because I look, I take the Legend of Zelda approach. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I might have to just kill my way through this room. There might be a hidden item somewhere. Uh, I might have to use an item I recently gathered or an upgrade of sorts and just work my way through it. There's nothing I can't do up until this point that isn't available to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in this room. So it taught me like really how to just work my way through most situations. Um, and I've been using those puzzle-solving elements like to this day. Um, taught me to explore nonstop. That's, I think that's why I'm so much of a completionist. Like games, I'll, I'll go like all out on them. And for that one, like it taught me, look under every rock, cut every shrub, go into every building, do every right. quest you can. And I try to do that now with games where it's like, okay, I want to do everything there is to do, see everything there is to be seen. And those are like just some like basic things that I took away from that. Like not to mention like. That was the first game, like you with um, the Final Fantasy IX entry, uh, the first one that really had this large sweeping narrative that brought stories that I loved. Like I loved reading books as a kid, and this really brought a great story in a format I had never really experienced before. It was really different for me, and it taught me that stories and games are some of the most important things you could get your hands on. Not even just the product itself, not the gameplay, the story. What carries these characters along? What brings you through this emotional journey and the highs and the lows and i think there's a lot to be found there too um because you're in this land that's just being ravaged by ganon he's just going along doing his thing spreading his fucking hell army everywhere and especially when you come back like as an adult and it's even worse off because you've been in the temple of time for seven years and you haven't been able to combat all the shit that's been going on so super formative amazing experience um, I think one of the other things that I took away from it, um, it taught me that music can be very valuable in games. Brilliant score handed to us uh, in terms of like orchestral stuff and many arrangements by Koji Kondo. And he taught me that even past the narrative, that music can be just as much as, as an emotional experience in a game. Like the Ocarina. The Ocarina of Time. Like that is like <laughs> one of the main items that you use like at almost every juncture. Like and whether it's to connect with another character or to you know i don't know speed up time make it rain you know heal a character's woes like it, it was just like this cool little element that i'd never really seen get used as like a gameplay mechanic and that was cool not not every game does that now but i mean it's really kind of pinned in my head that music is as important as the game to me sometimes it it, it just felt to me it came in this era 
of games that literally hit every fucking box with a check. Where yeah. it's like the design, superb. Yeah, the I music, the level design, like superb. The art, <laughs> superb. Yeah, oh, the level. That's like one of the first examples of like an open world game in my yeah. my gaming history. I didn't even know what the fuck an open world it's, was. It's funny because like, it. whenever I go forward to other games now, like that's what I look back and I'm like, okay. <laughs> do these levels meet the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time standard most of the times? Yes, sometimes no. But yeah. Yeah. you're right; it did hit every checklist of elements that you wanted in a game, <laughs> and it introduced things that you would forever hold other games to. I think mm-hmm. Ocarina is one of those games where it's like when, once you play that, you're like, okay, I have an idea of what a game could be. Yeah, you know, it set the bar super high for me. I was like ten when I got this shit, and I was like, whoa! It it really just changed the way I thought about everything. Like, cause up until that point, I was like platformer this platformer that you know i love that there's two camps when it comes to the zelda series which is they usually fall in two camps which is either you're an ocarina person or you're a link to the past person mm-hmm. and usually your age is the divining the, yeah, rod the factor yeah between those two where it's like you obviously you know we're 90s kids man mm-hmm. it's like ocarina is our game yeah through and through <laughs> I, i've come across people um that will say oh ocarina time is my favorite game i'm like well, that's an obvious answer. Why wouldn't you say, like, Link to the Past? Like, it's such a better game. And it's just like, is it, though? Is it a better game? Fuck it, no. It was first. It utilized a lot of the gameplay mechanics and things that the series progressed with, obviously, because it was one of the first iterations. Cool. Whatever. I didn't fucking tear up at the end of A Link to the Past. No. Like, that fucking ending between Zelda and Link? Yeah. That was... Like, I'm awestruck by that whole little musical overture, that whole scene. It's so pitch perfect. You get fucking tingles. I'm like, fuck no, Link to the Past is a better game. That game didn't make me feel the way I got it. No, not at all. You know, like, I get get it. I get it. You're trying to get some fucking uh, 16-bit cred. Yeah. No, I think that's probably what it is, too. It's like fucking street cred, but, you know, whatever. I didn't really pull an emotional experience from that game until much later on. I was was fucking so young. I was like five. I was living in, like, an emotional vacuum. Right. (laughs) So, like, I was, like, when I was coming to my own, I was budding as a human being, and, I don't know, it just spoke to me on a lot of different levels, and it's it's still, like, one of my favorite games to this time. I think, especially, uh, let's say, Ocarina, and, you know, my example is Final Fantasy. There's a lot of these games uh, in our youth that you wouldn't expect, and I guess in other generations they may find a lot of these feelings or emotions unlocked for them as as children in mm-hmm. different mediums or different experiences. But I think it's more endemic in our generation to have video games yeah. be that kind of uh, that first doorway. You know, some of these feelings that I was going through. You know, playing, being Squall, living his life, mm-hmm. having feelings for. Jenny, <laughs> you know he says shamefully. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, and I'll still go back and name her Jenny. I, I don't give a shit. That that's Jenny. The cowboy hat dude was Nick. <laughs> um, my boy, uh, was Zach. Whatever his fucking, you know, the guy, the punchy guy, punchy guy, punchy guy in fucking part eight. I think his name's like Zidane or something. Mm. He had crazy hair. Zidane was from nine. His whole thing. I don't. You know what? This is why I renamed them. I don't <laughs> want to remember your goofy ass names. Your fucking Blade Runner names. Fuck. Well, transitioning out of our most influential games, uh, we're gonna basically talk about what's kept us gaming to this very minute. Kevin, what do you got for me? Now, th- th- this is the thing that I think about often. I think about other people's gaming habits. Mm-hmm. I think about why they game certain ways. I, I think about why they like certain things. I was on a podcast with uh, my boy Burke, Burke over at uh, Nerd Farmcast, nerdfarm.com. Um, 
and he had uh, one of his friends over, uh, some mook, <laughs> very uh, very monotone sort of guy, whatever. I'm not endorsing him, I'm endorsing Burke. Um, and he had said that he just doesn't waste his time on single-player games. What? Yeah, he only plays online games. He's like, why would I want to play a game by myself? Like, very matter-of-factly and, and said in a, in a way that was just kind of like, how the fuck do you live your life playing games by yourself like Push a nerd it. and a creep? And I'm just like, oh, wow. But I like learning these things about other people. Like, yeah. what are their habits? And one of the questions that keeps on rising, like you said, is what's kept us gaming? You know, uh, we're one of the first generations to have kept gaming in our adult lives. I think so. You know, going from the 8 and 16-bit eras and keeping with it. You know, whereas let's say you started uh, playing Pong or in the arcades, essentially. A lot of these a lot of these people grew out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're they just like, no, gaming is like a kid's thing. I'm not going to keep on as an adult. No, of <laughs> and for us, it's like, why? Why are we still doing it? It can't be that we're completely stunted man-children. No, not at all, because it is a major part of pop culture. Gaming is yeah. overtaking film as far as revenues go, and it's uh, ubiquity. I feel like I've gotten even narratives out of games that have been more impressive to me than film. Last of Us. Oh, yeah. All day long. Uh, I feel the same way. Um, for me, what's kept me coming back and back is, is I guess, a lot of those memories that we kind of talked about earlier, which was a lot of these firsts, a lot of uh, a new ways of thinking I've gotten in games. And for some reason, having a level of interaction with narratives, you, you really can shake it up in that narrative. You can really like test it yourself you know rather than just like sit back and be like well that's what happens to jack ryan (laughs) (laughs) looks like all the president's men are okay like it's like you know it's it's different in a game it's like i i felt like i had a stake i had a say and i don't get this experience out of different mediums i don't get this out of a movie i don't get you know i don't feel like i was the batman and i took care of gotham for the night Mm -hmm. i was the one doing it when i watched batman v superman no i watch a man and say god damn i wouldn't do anything you you did in this film (laughs) i don't understand why you killed all those people you're actually horrifying it's a bad playthrough (laughs) is what i think in my head um and you know i i there was like a certain time where i went through this phase where it's like a lot of people i was hanging out with they didn't game like i did they didn't really talk about gaming like that. And if they did, it was like a little novelty where it's like, oh, yeah, man, you can fucking blow off this dude's head in this game. <laughs> it's fucking great. And yeah. that that's really all that they can talk about it. Yeah, I had a lot of friends like that, too, because oddly enough, a lot of my friends growing up were kind of like jocks. Yeah. And they didn't game like I did. It was kind of like a passing hobby to, to them. To where More to me, it was like a growing interest and a main hobby. So yeah, I, I didn't get to have these engrossing conversations with friends growing up. Yeah, these are the dudes that are excited about seeing like a new battlefield, mm-hmm. or they're the ones that ignore the story in any Grand Theft Auto game to run over hookers. Like these are the people that like I kind of hung out with for a while, and like mm-hmm. that's what video games were to them—just a little thing that you play with. You know, it wasn't like, dude, this is an amazing story, or I had a, a emotional resonance with this campaign. Like, no, 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 no. These were not conversations that came up ever. And I stuck through, though, because it was my favorite fucking thing. It was. <laughs> you know, I I wasn't getting what I got out of video games, out of other mediums, even reading. You know, and I love reading. Yeah. I do. I love the written word. And I think what I appreciate is that so much of what's already been laid down in other mediums, like literature, informs video games. It's all written, That's you true. know? 
every every action, every line of dialogue, every side quest is fucking written. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's why I love writing too. You know, it's like you can create a world. That's true. A lot of people don't understand like going into the video game writing process. Yeah, you have your script and your technical aspects, but there's still a narrative written there for every mm-hmm. game that is as thought out and as I don't know poetic as any book you could come across. Right, and a lot of these scripts are goddamn textbooks. Yeah. When you look at them, I can't even imagine what something like Red Dead Redemption would look like. Oh, you, you could crush a cat with that script. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. So, Daniel, I need to ask you. Hmm. What's kept you gaming these years? You know, a, a little bit of all those things you mentioned, of course. Um, At 28. <laughs> and more, I'd say. <laughs> I gotta jump in there. Yeah, you gotta push it. Yeah. Um, I think gaming is probably one of the most exciting mediums we have right now. Um, because it is so new, there are so many new things happening with it. You know, film's been around since, what, the early 90s? Maybe even earlier? Uh, film? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think uh, the first movie was 1981. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere <laughs> around there. No, I mean, okay, I mean the 1900s. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know what you, I thought you were being sarcastic. No, I'm being, I'm exhausted. No, film's been around for over 100 years. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, no, you're not editing that one out. No, that, that one's going to say, and I'm going to yes. wear that shame. Oh, yeah. Um, But no, it's like, it's a brand new medium. They're doing new things with it. They're making... It a more artistic platform too, um, where you have a lot of player agency. You get to make these decisions, and it really it's it's not even just one medium. It's a culmination of various mediums. Whereas a book is just a book. A movie, yeah, you know, there's script and all those other things, and you kind of had to passively sit back and watch it. But a game, there's narrative. There's that's music. the word though. That's the word. It's passive. Mm-hmm. These are passive mediums where you cannot say the same about video games. You can't. It is interactive. And there's, the thing is, and it's been proven too. There, you're more, uh, your mind is more stimulated when you're playing a game. There's different activators in your fucking brain yeah. when you're playing a game that you don't get out of just passively watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like pressing those centers. <laughs> I do. I like tickling that brain. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's one of the ones for me. Um, I think that's a pretty good one. Um, and I, I game for other reasons too, to pass time. It's like a good filtering process for my depression like i can just shut my brain off and just kind of engross myself in something that feels bigger than myself right and stimulates me in a way that other things don't um and i think the reason i'm going to keep gaming is not only to you know just see the sequels of the games that i loved as a kid but to see where the medium goes to see how it continues to trump film to see the way we keep putting the player at the forefront whether it's interactive mediums like uh, fucking telltale or you know, watching movies like in Uncharted or The Last of Us. I think it's amazing. And I, I feel like people don't give it enough credit either. To this day, because there's still this kind of stigma around it that yeah. people just don't, you know. Because they still think of it as like a, like a plaything or a toy. Right. I think we're breaking through that more and more, but we still have this generation, like like my parents, for instance. They, they still view it as like, so what? This is just like a little... Like, I remember my dad being so fucking shocked when um, they had... Uh, I think Real Time with Brian Gumble had a whole feature about League of Legends mm-hmm. and the esports scene, and he was just like, how serious is this? People are making money off of these bleep bleep stuffs? <laughs> I'm like, yes, the bleep bleep stuff. Fucking blew is, his uh, mind in that minute. Yeah. He was just yeah. like, what is this? <laughs> you know? And I, I think I, I've cracked that shell a little bit by you know telling him like what my job is now and all mm-hmm. that, and they're just like, okay, so video games is like a thing. 
and it's here to stay. I'm like, yes, yeah. that's what I've been trying to <laughs> illustrate for you for years. <laughs> it wasn't just a thing to shut us up. <laughs> you buy one of these cartridges and be like, all right, Kevin's not coming downstairs for a little while. Cool. Bust out the wine. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I want to see it be proliferated even more. I want, I want that to be broken down. I want there to be, I imagine, a future where people can outright talk about video games and their gaming habits just as they would like oh yeah i fucking sat and sat in and watched netflix for like 10 hours mm. you know people can talk about that very freely with no shame yeah how they binge watch fringe or any other show yeah exactly oh. <laughs> you had to go with fringe I just went with the first word that came in my head <laughs> i mean i hear it's not that bad no it's just it's a funny name anyway uh yeah i want them to say the same thing like dude yeah i've been gaming all fucking weekend and not just like <laughs> this guy over here but people look at you they kind of just i don't know very judgmentally they're like oh well what a waste of a weekend and i'm like no friend you're wrong <laughs> i get so many different things out of games and especially we the gaming has elevated in such a way where whatever mood i'm in can be met with a different type of game if i mm. if i want a very low investment like you said shut off my fucking brain and just have my hands doing something there's games for that yeah. but if there's games that i want to invest the shit out of myself into those exist too and i like to think and again, I stick with it because I want, just like you, I want to see where this medium goes. I know there's a lot of arguments about like how we're kind of stagnating here and there. We're seeing the same types of games that are being made last generation, this generation, mm-hmm. and all this shit. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But if you were to like just cherry pick something like Fallout 3 mm-hmm. and show that to 8-year-old Kevin, I'd be like, holy fucking yeah. shit, I'm sticking with games. Yeah. Like games will not ever not be a part of my life from that point on hmm. so that's why no I, I mean there are countless reasons I we could spend all night talking about every single one and we will we'll, we'll shut off the mic we'll get real, talking about real comfy grab another beer grab a beer look into each other's eyes continue this midnight podcast <laughs> and honestly I, I hope I'm gaming for another 25 years I don't know about you I don't see myself not gaming unless you know I literally run into like a health problem where I can't use my hands oh, that would suck you know but hopefully we have another way for me to just emphatically gesture at the TV <laughs> like Connect was trying to make us do. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so I can get through. It's funny. Uh, I think of, I don't know, years down the line where I become a vegetable or a potato in a nursing home. And I'm just like, well, I know a lot of people who just kind of watch TV or play backgammon or solitaire. I want to be gaming until the day I die. Could you imagine you're in a retirement home and like... All those geezers get gassed up when you bust out a GameCube. Oh, I remember that. So you got Double Dash, and you're like, fuck yeah, I've got Double Dash. <laughs> like, you be the fucking king. The king of the home. <laughs> the king of the home. God of the geezers. Oh, shit. <laughs> My title now. And that'll be us in the future, man. You bust out a 3DS, like, holy shit. <laughs> I haven't seen that in 40 odd years. I haven't seen it since that was in the Namco Bandai Museum. Right. <laughs> It'll be a thing to talk about, you know? Ah. Oh, ugh. It's kind of scary, too. Yeah? You think so? Yeah. I like it, though. Well, I think we celebrated National Video Games Day quite thoroughly yeah. by not playing video games and discussing them openly. And however you celebrate, whether it's talking about it with a friend, maybe developing one of your own, or just sitting down to play for the weekend, we hope you continue to do it, because it's a very inspired format, and one that's going places. And we have nothing to talk about, unless we want to talk about how much the DC films suck. And that's entirely a separate podcast. We would rename it something else. 
Harley's Harlots. Harley's Harlots. Okay. Um, I was thinking that might be the. You know, we're gonna work on that one a little bit. We'll work on that one. Yeah, we're working tentative titles. Until then, <laughs> this has been the Save Room, Episode Three. I have been Kevin, and I am Daniel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>